Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Jim Kircher. Today we talk with local author Terry Baker Mulligan about the complexities of parent-child love. Her latest book is These Boys Are Killing Me, Travels and Travails with Boys Who Take Risks. It explores how to navigate all of this successfully and sometimes maybe not so successfully. The book is set for release this weekend on Mother's Day. Terry joins me now in the studio to talk about her book, about tough love, about the rewards of motherhood, and maybe some of the risks of parenthood as well. Welcome, Terry. Thank you. The book is about you and your sons, Brennan and Colin, takes place over a multi-year period, about 10, what, 15 years ago. It's about travel. It's about independence. It's about uh, your son's travels as young adults, your travels as well. And we'll get into that, but when did this part of your life and their, the part of their lives uh, f- uh, start to form into an idea for a book? I got the idea for the book when I went over their emails. I, you know, I put them away. There's so much stuff on my desktop. And then I actually found the pile of them that I'd printed and kept. And as I read them, this is probably three and a half years ago now, um, the world had changed so much since um, they did these trips. And the more I read them and started working on the book, particularly in the Middle East when Brennan describes how beautiful Aleppo was, um, they have changed quite a bit too, particularly Colin. Um, from the wild and woolly boys they were, you know. How old were they when they were uh, doing this traveling? 26 and 25. Yeah, and their travels, again, you mentioned the Middle East. We're we're not talking, I mean, they went to some of the usual tourist spots, but they were backpacking for the most part, hitchhiking, buying a motorbike, making friends, uh, meeting real people in real homes in Africa, Asia, the Middle East. This is pretty exciting stuff, but as a parent so far away, you got to worry quite a bit. Yes, cell phones weren't very um, ubiquitous yet. They were very expensive, so I couldn't keep in touch with them as I do now. But one of the things that I also realized when I picked these letters, these emails up, was how lucky I was that these two young men, grown men, kept me informed of what they were doing because they knew I was worrying and wanted to ease my worries. Yeah, it's one of the things that struck me, and maybe because it was because they were a little bit older, but how much they were willing to share with you with the ups and downs, uh, and I'll be honest with you, no way I would have given my parents as much information as they were giving you. That's, I think, a good sign of a good relationship, first of all, but maybe it's sometimes too much information. Well, some of the stuff um, is from their journal particularly Brennan's journal. There's a photo of the journal in the book. It's a 78-page, tiny, cramped, written document that went way beyond what he would put in the emails. And um, I found out some of the more dangerous, not all of them, but some of the more dangerous things they did from reading that journal. You obviously raised them, though, to be independent. And this is sort of the uh, the cost of raising independent children, or perhaps they were independent and you couldn't you couldn't change that. Well, travel was very important to me. I grew up in Harlem. I was not a poor kid, but we certainly weren't rich. But my mother was brilliant in the way that she wanted me to just get everything out of life I could get. I could get, and when I was in college, um, the college had a 
the year abroad program, which I was kind of on the fence about, she pushed and pushed for me to take that trip, and it just opened my life. You know, I, I had traveled a little bit to Virginia and Cape Cod once, but I hoped that, you know, I saw my, my wealthy friends who were at this private school with me. I was a scholarship kid. Uh, doing these things, and I thought someday I could do it too. And then I realized, I mean, I'm here. You you can do it, and it's something I never want to stop doing. So you encouraged them. I encouraged them because I thought it was important to your self development, your your to to know the world, to know how you fit into the world. And most people don't necessarily think of Africa as a place that they would be traveling to. It, it takes, I think, an um, experienced traveler, an independent traveler, who's willing to go um, off the road. And I'm not talking about tour groups. Certainly, you can, you can do that. But that's certainly a, um, that's an adventure. That's a continent that is just, well, first of all, it's a huge continent, much yeah. bigger than, than we, we, we generally think. But you've been there as well. I, I have been, and I went and I met Colin there um, in South Africa because uh, it would take a, uh, a miracle from God to get my husband uh, on a trip that long and probably to get him to Africa or Asia. <laughs> so he was my, my escort, and I think it's good for women, if they can, to travel with an escort all the time. And he was very confident. By then, he was he was the one who was 26. He traveled quite a bit. He was a teacher, so he went everywhere in the summer that he could and uh, felt pretty confident. And I felt, um, you know, he'd be a good guide. And they're very patient with me. They're they're good guys. Well, you, you know, the subtitle, uh, you know, is uh, driving you crazy. And I'm going to read just uh, segments of a couple of um, messages you got. So Colin, you, you want him, he's planning to go to graduate school, right? Oh, yes. And you've just rolled your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and it says, uh, I haven't done any actual work, written work on my personal statement. This is for graduate uh, uh, admission, though I am perpetually composing in my head. I think that I will most likely mail it from South Africa. Keep in mind, he's in Estonia, I believe, at the time when he's writing this. I can't wait to get to Africa. I hear the bush calling me. You respond, as a consequence of the GRE score, which apparently wasn't as good as he'd hoped it would be, I think it's important to nail your personal statement. Your percentages were also so-and-so-so. And you have to write the thing, not just think about it. Didn't you say it was due next month? <laughs> yes. This sounds really familiar yes. <laughs> to a lot of parents, whether they're in middle school or high school or apparently traveling uh, through through uh, uh, Europe and Africa. The day he told me he was leaving, but I haven't finished my uh, applications, he says, but don't worry, Mom, there are uh, Internet cafes all over the world. And I thought, yeah, well, okay, we'll see. I do want to invite our listeners into this conversation, whether it's about uh, kids who drive you crazy or travel or the experiences. If you have a question or a comment for our guest, give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at stlpublicradio.org. You were dealing with emails and Internet cafes. And um, when you were traveling overseas as a student, your study abroad, you didn't have that stuff. I wonder if we get too much information. I mean, we've got a lot more than just email now. You can, you can, you can text anytime from anywhere to, to a great extent. 
I don't know if that's helpful. I mean, sitting here in St. Louis as a parent, getting constant flow of information, or would you rather not know until the trip is over and you read the journal? I think I wanted to know, and I did not want to know anything that would be scary or frightening. Uh, you I think they knew that? They were, they were they, editing. They, they did know that, yeah. although sometimes they would, um, well, like the bike. Um, that, I don't want to give too much away with the, the motorcycle, but um, that was one that just threw me for days that that happened. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't think it ruins it because, I, 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 by the way, it's a delightful book. It's, it's an entertaining book. And I, when I say an easy read, I don't mean that it was easy to write. No, it's, it is it, easy to read. It's a fun read. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Very light. But you do get a message that basically says, send me money. Yeah. With, That's it. Just, I need money. Yep. And you don't know why. Yeah. yeah. I don't hear why. So 24 hours, I'm trying to figure out. If I can get in touch with our guide, who I, I had just left, I had just gotten back from uh, uh, Mozambique, and um, I just didn't know what to do. I knew there was a very, very bad corruption. I thought he might be in jail. We'll, we'll get to see if we can uh, wrap that up in a little bit, but we need to take a quick break. We'll be back in just a moment. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Welcome back. So you're getting messages. I'm, I'm, I'm also, I enjoy the fact that your husband seems less engaged in this back and forth. And I think that's an interesting uh, dynamic within a married couple of parents and in, in how they deal with kids. And maybe it's because you're so engaged, he's just kind of stepping back. That's right. Yes, he, uh, he only kind of spoke up if it was necessary to get into the issue. Uh, when they, he'd seen too much or I just, you know, I couldn't deal with it without him. But he was a man of few words, and they usually <laughs> went very far. <laughs> so they knew if he weighed in, it meant something, right? Yes. Yeah. You, you have to talk about the risk. I mean, this is what this is about, I think, to a great extent. Um, and that you're, you're so fearful that, okay, a little bit of adventure is good. Risk is bad. Well, not maybe not bad. Maybe there's an element of risk that's okay. But then the concern is doing something stupid. Um, yeah. And you're not there anymore to, to guide them. Of course, they probably did stupid things when you were around. Yeah, they did. <laughs> I write a little bit about that. Some of the stupid things they did before they left town when they were in high school and college, one in college. Um, but um, a lot of it was um, risks that I'm not even sure they understood the risk they were taking. Like, I again, I don't want to spoil it, but one of them goes sashaying into an axis of e evil country. It's just been determined by the pre President Bush, uh, George W., that this was an axis of evil country. And um, I, I found that out after the fact. But that, you know, if I had known at the time, it would have worried me to death. Like, is he going to get out of there? Uh, what are they going to do to him? Yeah, it's, it's something probably that I wouldn't have done, and I would have tried to talk somebody out of doing if I was there, but, but you weren't there, so he went ahead and did it. Yeah. And again, I won't, I won't spoil it. There's, there's, there's quite a bit of adventure. I do want to take a call. Uh, it's about travel, mm -hmm. and it's from Karen in the Central West End. Karen? Hi. Um, I just wanted to um, let you know that I can truly relate with what you're saying about your about your children and, and especially your son. My um, 
I have two daughters, and I highly encourage them to travel and study abroad when they were in college. And my older one definitely took advantage of it. She studied abroad for a full year and um, continued travel, and she was fearless in what she would, where she would go. Um, you know, they were turned away at some borders because, you know, their passports were not welcome there. Um, but I have pictures of her on camels, you know. Um, you know, she's been to Thailand and, you know, just places that, you know, I could only imagine. But it was such an advantage for her when she did start applying for jobs that all of the things that she had done and witnessed in, you know, in her life, you know, and, you know, that some of these executives were quite envious of what she had done. And it opened a lot of doors for her. And she, she does have her Ph.D. in economics, so she did pursue a very, um, you know, highly educated career, and she's doing very well. But I just think, you know, uh, yeah, some of the things that, you know, where she had gone and done, I, you know, yeah, I was very fearful, of, of you know, for her safety because it was after 9-11. And, you know, but, you know, some of those things you just have to kind of set aside and just hope for the best, you know, that, but, you know, that those are those are immeasurable experiences that they were able to do because now they have children and that's important that they yeah it's a it's a change but you know sometimes you wonder too it um it kind of messes you up i mean you come back you're not quite the same um you sometimes can't share experiences with people who haven't had those experiences and i think even one of your sons i think it was colin saying you know this changes my view of what's important in the world and the change comes with it it's sort of a be careful what you ask for it's not just seeing old buildings and uh going to museums it uh it can have a have have a tremendous impact yes i i think the um the fact that you go through countries where people have so little when you come back you're kind of shell-shocked about what we have maybe there's some guilt there uh, ultimately, it's good to see what the rest of the world might be like, including the very wealthy parts of Europe and uh, Asia. But uh, he told me when he got home, Mom, all you really need in life is clean water and a roof over your head. And he had no decompression. You know, the Peace Corpsmen come back and they meet in groups and have kind of um, discussions and I don't know if you call it therapy. This went on with him for a year, um, not really wanting to work, not getting jobs. Oh, he had he had dreadlocks also. Right. And by the time he was finished, his dreadlocks were 10 inches longer than they were when he got home. And, and applying for jobs. And applying for right. jobs. <laughs> and um, dreadlocks were a pretty new thing back in 2004. Uh, so I, I mean, people were just looking at this kid, you know, from an angle that was not the complete picture. Yeah. yeah. I'm wondering, as, as a writer, I always ask this, are you one of those disciplined writers? Are you up at 5 a.m. and you have, you know, said, I'm going to write a page a day like Anthony Trollope or something like that? Or um, do you do it as it hits you? I used to be a 5 a.m. riser when my kids were little, when I was writing my first book, which took half of my life to write. <laughs> I finally got it out in 2012. But um, not really, although I do like to, re- to write immediately after lunch, do errands and chores in the morning, maybe even prepare dinner, and then write from 1 to 4. And I like to watch Jeopardy. It's a, kind of like a cocktail for me. 
just relaxing, no bad news, nobody yelling. Um, but yeah, I have a little bit of discipline. But You've written a lot about your own life uh, growing up in Harlem. You've written about your family. Do you have advice for folks who feel that they've got a story? Oh, they, yes. Yeah, go ahead. People tell me things. Somebody was telling me uh, something the other day. I said, well, that's a book. That would be an awesome book. I think people do have stories, and I think that's happening now. There's so many community colleges and community groups that are starting writing groups that people are um, getting involved in and putting it down. It might be just for their family, which is very, I think, important because my kids didn't know half of what I wrote about until I wrote my book, and it's a very satisfying thing to do. It's really uh, it's good for the soul. Yeah, and you, I, I think when you're when you're when you want to write, you you should write for the for the purpose of writing, not for the purpose of becoming famous or oh, or having no. a bestseller. If you're going to write, you just have to write. Don't yes, you? yes. Don't think about getting rich. Just think about having a good time. And but writing the the best book you can write, you have to be sure to do that. Don't yeah. don't rush it. And and I think it's it's deceptive. As I said, this was a, a it's a fun book to read. It's an easy book to read. But I always said, if it's easy to read or easy to watch or whatever, it was probably hard to do. Was this a, was this a struggle to get it right? Um, there there was some there was a lot of work in it. Um, I had to pare down the um, the emails. Um, had picked the pick the good ones. Um, Decided to try and leave a lot of white space because it's in emails. That's kind of fun. You won't be, you know, just words coming at you a mile a minute. You'll you'll have a breather, and that helps enjoy the book. Um, well, great. I hope I, I hope there's more books uh, you've got for us. Uh, I really appreciate it. I, and again, I truly enjoyed it. I, you know, it's. Uh, it was a fun book to read, being both a parent and probably a risk-taking uh, kid as well. I think it applies for, for all, of those, uh, all of those factors. I want to thank you, Terry Baker Mulligan. She's the author of These Boys Are Killing Me. We appreciate you joining us today and wish you a happy Mother's Day this weekend. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU.